John so. Mayer, maybe, I think would be. Oh, yeah. But he's not Fernando Alonso, is he? No. Uh. <laughs> Steiner is Steiner. Steiner's more valuable than the entire Red Bull organization, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> the one thing we've never had here is rain, and there is a bit of rain in the air for Sunday as well. So imagine Baku wet. I mean, that's going to be crazy. Yeah, why not go with the reserve driver? <laughs> oh, I botched oh, yeah. this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unlap. Katie George, Nate Saunders, Lawrence Edmondson. Race week has finally arrived. Lawrence is on the ground in Baku. First things first. Have you seen Taylor Swift? Yes or no? <laughs> uh, not yet. Um, I've only been here, well, kind of a day really, but no. No sightings of Taylor Swift, but no sightings of Fernando Alonso. So I'm not going to rule it out just yet. But uh, no, not yet. She was uh, she was at the was it the US Grand Prix several years ago. I think that was the last sighting of Taylor Swift I had. But um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> last, of I don't and only that. one, or have you have you sighted her multiple times in your life? No, the, the, the last and once sighting, yeah, uh, was uh, was <laughs> Fair the US Grand Prix. I think it was around 2018, 2019. She played. The- yeah, it was 18 because it was when they messed all the schedule up, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And uh, if you've Nate been a much bigger fan than me, I should say. So he's the guy to go. That's to true. For the latest of uh, Taylor Swift news. Well, I've just I've enjoyed doing the memes. To be honest with you, it's been it's been a good it's been a good way to pass that third week of the break. Um, and I didn't think we're coming up to a year anniversary of this pod, aren't we? Didn't think we'd be celebrating it talking about Taylor Swift and Fernando Alonso. So what a what a joy <laughs> to be getting to that milestone with. <laughs> Yeah, if you're living under a rock, uh, the rumors have taken the F1 and pop culture communities by a storm is that newly single Taylor Swift and Fernando Alonso may or may not be dating. Fact or fiction, Lawrence is clearly going to get to the bottom of it while he is in Baku, which means you're going to be pulling double duty race weekend and obviously dating scene. Very, very important. Of course, you'll get that information right here on Unlapped. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment, and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Let's get to some real news, shall we? As expected, the new sprint format has officially been approved, and we will see it happening in just a couple of days in Baku. We've talked about this sprint format that was proposed by we think brainchild Gunther Steiner from Haas, uh, but it seems like a lot of team bosses were very receptive of it. Stefano Domenicale certainly has been vocal about maybe changing the format. And so we will see it uh, in formation this weekend at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Do we like the change now that it is official? Lawrence, you first. I do like it because um, it's essentially adding a mini weekend into a shortened weekend. So uh, if you remember a few years back, I think it was 2020 at Imola, they just had one practice session qualifying and the race. And that's essentially what we've got now, except for the practice session and the qualifying happened on Friday, the race happens on Sunday. And then in between, you have your own little, like tiny race, uh, a, a sprint race. So um, I, I think it's good. I, I think it's a good thing. Um, I felt with it kind of setting the grid, there was a lot at stake and uh, you did feel that some drivers maybe held back a bit. I mean, there were plenty of examples where they didn't, but I think there was there was that fear always that they would hold back. And I think it just kind of, you know, it, it makes it its own little event. And uh, sprint races, I'm not against. You know, I'd much rather turn up to a race weekend and have three days of, of solid action rather than uh, a lot of practicing and then qualifying in the race. So uh, I'm all up for it. 
I don't think it's going to work everywhere. I don't think it's the case that it should be rolled out at all 23 races. But at the moment, we have six races like this. And mm-hmm. I think that's a good balance. Nate, how do you feel like it'll change the racing and the strategy for teams moving forward? Yeah, I think seeing it play out in real time this weekend is going to be genuinely you know, really fascinating because I don't think anybody really has a, a clear idea of how that's going to be. I mean, I think Lawrence is right. You know, the <clears throat> there were clear examples of drivers holding back before. There's much more at stake now. It's weird in a way because I think they've flipped around where people might hold back because previously if it set the grid, it, there was a reason to fight for kind of every position. It's like, well, if I gain a position here, it's one step up the grid. If you're kind of 12th down, this would be my only criticism of it. I'm, I'm a big fan of it otherwise. If you're kind of 12th down in that sprint, I wonder if your team, especially at a place like Baku, might just say, well, look, you know, there's there's high risk and zero reward here because, you know, if you finish 13th or 14th or 12th, has no impact on on the rest of the weekend. But obviously, if you just put a wheel wrong at turn one, you could end up in the wall, you know, you could damage your car and it, whatever. So I wonder what that's going to do to the people at the back of the field and whether there'll be kind of a game of chicken of like people saying, well, look, if you want to retire from this, feel free, we're going to stay in. So that might be fascinating as well. And that's what I mean. There's a lot of parts to it that you can't really predict. So, and the best thing about the whole thing is I think the, the, the short and qualifying, hopefully, because there's it's shorter Q, Q3, there might only be time for one lap. If that can mix the grids up, I think that really is the key to the the whole sprint format. If you can, if Max is starting from first every single time we have a sprint race, kind of is going to get a bit repetitive. But if there's situations where Max is kind of even having to fight from fourth or fifth, I mean, the best sprint race we've had was when Lewis started at the back uh, in Brazil in 21. He had to fight his way forward. And then he did this, you know, did the same in the race. So if they can, if they can find that kind of balance, I think it'll be really good. But I love that Formula One's kind of, you know, they've, they've listened to fans, they've looked at what works, what doesn't, and they've kind of made it. They've made a, a change. So, um, so we'll see. I, it's had a bit of a mixed reaction, which I'm surprised mm-hmm. about. But I think there's still a lot of people that are against the concept rather than the format of 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 the sprints. I think they just don't want to see sprints happen. Um, but I'm a big fan of them, like Lawrence. I mean, we 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 joke sometimes. You go to some circuits, turn up on a Friday, and you're like, oh, there's just nothing nothing really exciting about today because we don't really get a huge amount of media on Friday either. So you're kind of just there and, you know, not really a huge amount to do. So, yeah, it's it's added that dimension. I think Baku, I know Christian Horner would disagree with me, but Baku is a great, great pick for this first one. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Okay, to that point, Lawrence, do you feel like Baku is a conducive circuit for a sprint format? Um, so Baku, you kind of get one thing or another. You either get a processional race because the cars will split out. They have that very tight middle sector and it tends to string the cars out and then they have the long straights which you know um they, they kind of work for overtaking but you need the cars to be close together and that middle sector tends to ruin it uh so you can have that but if something sparks off a good race uh then you, you do get something now i think that's more likely to happen over a full race distance than a sprint race distance i'm not sure a sprint race will be quite long enough because we've certainly had um, a kind of third of a race go by in Baku and not much happen. And then it all kicks off later in the race. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a place where things do happen, but is it guaranteed? No. Uh, is there a danger that we come away from this and we actually have two fairly processional races? Yes. <laughs> and But I don't think that should then be a negative towards this format. And I don't think that should, uh, you know, really kind of uh, stand as a, as a black mask against it. I think it, it's got potential, certainly at races where there's more overtaking opportunities. So hopefully we'll see that later in the year. Even if this sprint race doesn't work out, we'll see that later in the year at other ones. Yeah, and when so, there's a processional Grand Prix, no one says, well, we need to change the format because there's been one processional race, you know, so I feel like you need to give it a bit of time. Which is a really good point. Something else that has turned some heads um, 
According to Red Bull and Christian Horner, multiple teams have breached the cost cap. Uh, He believes last year in an F1 commission meeting that some of the teams said, we will break the cost cap, quote, we will break it. Uh, Lawrence, what do you make of these allegations from Red Bull's team boss? Well, Red Bull said something fairly similar last year, I seem to remember. In fact, they went as far as saying certain teams wouldn't be able to finish the season because they'd literally run out of money and wouldn't be able to sign up to races. Now, um, you know, of course, that wasn't the case. Now, whether they went over the budget cap doing that, you know, I I, I don't know. But um, we're talking about the the one team that did break the budget cap in the Mm -hmm. first year of it being there. And so uh, I take it with a bit of a pinch of salt, but it, it is it is possible. Look, I mean, you know, the budget cap was reduced uh, last year and there were a lot of things uh, that increased costs, uh, energy costs back at factories. You know, the whole world, uh, I think, you know, felt that to some extent. Uh, the cost of moving stuff around the uh, the world also increased. So there were a number of things which, which would indicate that, yeah, there's a danger that a number of teams have, have gone over it. Um, I, I think if it is the case that six teams have gone over it, and I honestly do not know either way, you know, I don't think we're going to find out for sure until the FIA um, released the uh, the findings of the investigations, which are hoping to do much earlier this year than they did last year. Um, but in, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's it's possible. But have have they done it? I don't know. And 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 if six teams have done it, then it's really what does that say? It says that actually probably the budget cap was set. Um, too low for the costs that were involved in in racing last year. Do you think that it's reflective that the FIA's punishment, Nate, of Red Bull a year ago was not severe enough if, in fact, this many teams have gone over? Well, I I think that's a fair way of certainly of of kind of framing that. I think Horner's kind of coming from the point of view that he's always wanted the cost cap to to expand but it did talk to one team boss last year in austin when um you know the suggestion was going to be when we first heard about the wind tunnel penalty and the kind of suggestion was it was like well you know that's kind of that's actually not if 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 you can gain enough to kind of win a championship by overspending which you know i'm not saying red bull did that because that's what some people inferred they said if that is what you can do off the back of it then it's not a bad penalty. But of course, Red Bull argued it wasn't anything they gained on track from. So there, I think there is that feeling there. But I think also teams, if you ask any team right now, are you going to break the budget? They'll probably say, yeah, we're right on the limit because that's just kind of how F1 works. So mm-hmm. it's not surprising to me that they're saying that. And they're probably saying that as well, partly to, to kind of say to the other teams, like, hey, we're doing, we're spending right on the on the limit, right, right on the budget. We're developing as much as we can within reason, you know, so if I was in an F1 commission with my rivals, I'd kind of be saying that. I'm like, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm like, guys, we're screwed. We're, we're going to be right over. Because those other guys start thinking, well, if that is the case, do we need to be spending more? Like, are we spending less? Are they spending smarter than us? I don't know. So hard to say. And like Lawrence said, until we know for sure, hard to say. But um, I think if you're one of the other team bosses, you've got to, you're probably looking at Horner and saying, you know, it's a bit cheeky coming from him, I think. Why now do you think? Why make these comments at this juncture? Good question. <laughs> I think just Horner's been doing the doing the rounds of interviews. I mean, this is one of the things the FIA said last year, wasn't it? Was that they wanted to have those results come out earlier and be mm. a bit more efficient in how they did that. So I'm not actually sure what the timeline is this season, but I think it's just generally, you know, and, and one of Horner's points was about the way it was accounted. I think it was like a 78,000 page Excel document that Red Bull handed over. He was very critical of that. He was like, how can, you know, how can a team stay on top of those those kind of costs and stuff like that? So but yeah, in terms of why that's come up, other than him just being bored during the three-week break, who knows? 
I mean, the, the only other thing it hints at is that Red Bull uh, have been very close or are concerned about a number of itemizations mm. going into into this year, and they want to kind of say, well, look, we're not the only ones. It's happened to everyone. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's a really hard one to speculate on because. We had this similar situation, remember, in Singapore before we had the actual findings come out and there was all this speculation over how many teams had overspent, how much they'd overspent. Red Bull took great offence to that. So it's kind of interesting now that uh, they're going around saying that. But look, I mean, if it's if it's a relatively open secret in the F1 commission that a number of teams are on the limit and then, of course, there's all these different ways of accounting for things. So there'll be the team's accounts uh, and Red Bull, when they submitted their accounts for the first year, felt that they were within it. And then there was the FIA's way of accounting, which actually meant that catering and various other things that we won't go back into now, but, you know, were documented at the time, um, were were not part of the cost cap. And therefore, um, they, they or they were part of the cost cap. They weren't part of the emissions. And therefore, Red Bull fell foul of it. So whether it's an element of that, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of comments like that create as much speculation, don't they, as, as they do answers. But um, mm. the good news, hopefully... Uh, if the FIA sticks to their word, is that we will get some answers relatively quickly this year. I think the other thing to note is that because Max won the title and Rebel won the title by such a big margin last year, even if they are a little bit over this year, it's not quite as big a thing as 2021 when the title was decided by essentially the last lap. And therefore every little margin, every little overspend matters was arguably significant. Yeah. So um I guess that's that's the other difference going into this. But there'll still be teams, you know, that will look at it. And if they have rivals uh that have overspent, and let's say you're a team that finished fifth and the team that finished fourth has overspent, just an example, not saying they did, uh, then you'll be upset about it, won't you? So there's um yeah. plenty left in this if if there's any truth to what Horn is saying. One of my favorite things about this podcast is the difference in phrases used by Americans and Brits. Uh, best believe pinch of salt is now being exchanged for a grain of salt over here across the pond. That I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's got to be a pinch, never Just a grain. A pinch, not a pinch, grain. Pinch. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense, quite frankly. Pinch of salt <laughs> makes so much more sense. Mind blown. Another piece of news that has hit the airwaves is Laurent Mekis is replacing Franz Toast as team boss at Red Bull sister team AlphaTauri. Um, some rumblings earlier on in the week, Nate, were we surprised by this move? I mean, Toast has been a staple there for, for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, he's been in there since pretty much since they joined the grid, 2005. He's the only team boss they've had. Um, he's basically, you know, he's been tasked with overseeing if you if you name a red bull junior that's come through the ones that have won championships the ones that have won races the ones that aren't an f1 anymore all of them that went through Toro rosso have worked with france toast at some point so he i think you know it's easy to look at alpha tauri or Toro rosso as they used to be their results and say well their results aren't that good but i think and this is the key thing i think in in terms of him leaving was that he clearly was someone that um uh, that mataschitz trusted a lot and obviously mataschitz mm. passed away last year so i think in that context it's probably not a huge surprise that Somebody who was so closely linked to, you know, to the to the old, you know, the old leadership um, has left. There were there were rumblings this week, but I mean, to be honest with you, a month or so ago, when we were asking around, I mean, one of the questions in Bahrain was, "Are Red Bull going to sell that second team?" You know, uh, which is something that Red Bull Red Bull denied at that time. I remember asking somebody I know at Toro Rosso. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that's me going back in time. Someone I know at Alpha Tauri. You know, what's going to happen with with France? Is he going to stay in? He said, yeah, I think so. I don't think anything's going to change. You know, they were told nothing really is going to change here. So I think it it seems like stuff has obviously been going on behind the scenes. Um, but yes, it's going to be weird without him there because, I mean, he's it's crazy in a sport like Formula One that you could be in a job from 05 to 13 um, 
you know, two wins to your name. I mean, I'm not, you know, he's obviously worked in very different circumstances with a lot of bosses, but it's pretty impressive. So yeah, it, it it was surprising to me to see that news this week and then to see it confirmed today, probably less so, but yeah, it wasn't something we were expecting. Does this kind of change, Lawrence, change the expectations or lack thereof for AlphaTauri? So AlphaTauri, I think, is one of the weirdest teams on the grid in that it's essentially the junior team for Red Bull and has really existed for most of, almost all of its uh, existence as as a training ground for drivers coming through from the Red Bull Junior program, their first step into F1, and then if they cut it in AlphaTauri, previously Toro Rosso, they would get a shot at the Red Bull senior team. And so um, I think, you know, Francis was really good at doing that. I think, you know, he he had this really good balance between an experienced set of, you know, his experienced head to to develop those drivers, to push them in, di- in the right direction. Um, but at the same time, kind of managing expectations and and, and keeping awareness. Now, they've replaced him with um, Lauren Mekis, who comes from Ferrari, actually was at Toro Rosso before, but has done a route via the FIA Ferrari and then back to Toro Rosso. And he goes in as team principal. So that's a clear progression for him from sporting director at Ferrari to a team principal at another team. I guess a bit like James Fowles going from Mercedes uh, to Williams earlier this year. So that makes a certain amount of sense. Um, And it'll be interesting what he can do. He's obviously that bit younger. He's got um, maybe a bit more ambition uh, in, in where he's going to lead the team. But then also uh, Peter Bayer, who comes from the FIA, uh, he was the um, FIA Secretary General for Sport and was kind of very high up in, in in the running of Formula 1 from the FIA side. And so I think it's always interesting when uh, when engineers or or, or or people within F1 management go from the FIA and you've got an example of Mekis there who's also had recent experience in the FIA and Bayer in, into that team. And it'll be interesting to see what they can do and whether they can kind of, yeah, maybe just revolutionise what that team is about, what its objectives mm-hmm. are. And um, while there is no suggestion that this is leading to a sale or anything like that, I, I guess um, maybe if if the team's whole objective, whole ethos changes from Rebel Junior team into its own fighting entity that is there to, you know, try and move as far up the grid as possible, which, where you always felt there was a bit of a cap on, on AlphaTauri in, in, in that sense, uh, then that could change it as a prospect going forward. Um, we know how much these F1 teams are worth now, and you know Red Bull will not, even if they don't intend to sell it, they will not have a problem with that team becoming a more attractive proposition for anyone looking to buy. So um, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting time for that team, and uh, hopefully uh, it will see them progress up the grid because this year they've had a bit of a slip as well. That's it for legit news, which leads me to the rumors. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. And I'm here for them. Is Fernando Alonso the greatest troll on social media for this? I think so. I think, I mean, right, I'm not going to claim complete credit for that TikTok because obviously it wasn't it wasn't me who did it. But I, t- I, I messaged somebody at, at Aston Martin and I was like, these Taylor Swift rumors are crazy. You guys have got to do something. I was like, he's got to wear a midnight tour t-shirt when he comes to the paddock. That was my suggestion. Good one. I was like, you've got to do something on TikTok. And then lo and behold, the following morning, what do I see? Fernando Alonso. It was a good tweet. And I think that's exactly when you've got rumors like that, which from all from everything I can work out, and again, I'm not a showbiz reporter, so I don't have the contacts I should <laughs> when when searching for this. Doesn't seem like it's true. But this is this is what's great about kind of Twitter and memes and the social media world generally is that something like this just takes on a life of its own. And I think that, you know, had it been a race week, it probably wouldn't have probably wouldn't have really, you know, been that big of a thing. Well, it's sorry, it is a race week. Had, had we not just had three weeks without a race, I don't think it would have been that big of a deal. You know what I mean? But it kind of took on a life of its own. So it's good fun. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I think, I think the trolling is going to continue this weekend, hopefully. Do you think Lawrence that he'll be asked about it in his media availability? That's uh, a good question. I, like, I wouldn't want to be the but reporter but to ask that. From you guys to ask. Someone's um, going to someone's gonna, someone's gonna ask him. I think because he's lent into it with uh, the TikTok kind of video that he put up, I feel like it's now it's now fair game. You know, it's like yeah. he's, he, he's kind of into it. Therefore, you know, he's going to probably be asked about it. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. But it is, um, it's entertaining if nothing else. And I completely agree with Nate. I mean, I feel like if we'd been back-to-back race weekends, this wouldn't have got a look in, but... Uh, now it's kind of all everyone's talking to. Yeah. But only because it would just be so amazing if it was true, because it's well unbelievable for kind of obvious reasons. I've I forgotten the name of the of the person on TikTok, but somebody has actually has written a song as if they were Taylor Swift about Fernando Alonso. You know, you often when she you know splits up on a That's relationship. That's why if this is remotely an inkling true, he needs to tread lightly because if it doesn't yeah. work out, which most of her relationships do not you then become the focal point of a new hit song. Yeah. And some of them, some of them are pretty savage, you know, not, not all of them, but some of them are pretty awful. So yeah. Um, but then again, she's never, I don't think she's ever, I don't think she's probably dated anyone as, as famous as him. Right. So maybe an actor or two. I don't know. John but, Mayer, maybe I think would be. Oh yeah. Well, he's no Fernando Alonso, is he? No, uh... <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not. <laughs> Definitely doesn't have the personality of Fernando Alonso. All right, that's it for the rumors. We have something special for this episode of Unlapped. With the NFL draft obviously taking place Thursday ahead of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, we're going to do our own Unlapped draft. So here's the scenario. And Lawrence, I don't think you're going to like it, but we are going to draft driver number one, driver number two, reserve driver, team boss, and then the team brand that you would like to associate with. Before you logged on from Baku, I populated it, random, used the internet. Nate gets the first overall selection. I get the second. You get the third. And I swear to God, that is how it went. And this is a snake draft. So third is not so bad because you get to pick back to back. How do you feel? 
Uh, that's fair. I, I was late for this podcast. I got stuck in Baku traffic after dinner. Uh, so I can. <laughs> but it really did happen that way. I want that noted. <laughs> it did. Yeah, I can guarantee. I have 100 okay. percent well, uh, Go for it. I have my my big board ready. Don't know if you two came prepared or if you're just going to do this off the cuff. Um, Nate, in no particular order, fill your spots, my friend. Okay, so I think there's only really one person you can pick. Number one, that's got to be Max Verstappen. You know, he's the guy at the moment. You know, he's got age on his side. He's got talent. I think you build a team around him. So I'm going Max number one. Okay, strong choice. Nobody's surprised. Yeah, <laughs> it's I... kind of that's the problem with the first pick, isn't it? In 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 real life and in more important drafts like this one, uh, is the first pick you're kind of locked into one person, so it's it's less fun. It's very true. Okay, I'm gonna go Lewis Hamilton with my number two pick overall. Nice, Laz. So, um, because I now have two picks, right? We're doing a snake mm-hmm. draft. It's going back to me. So I'm gonna pick, uh, pick Fernando Alonso. Um. Mainly because, you know, he's just this meme machine as well. Uh, so I feel like from a marketing side of my team, they're going to be pleased with him. But of course, he is a mega, mega driver. Um, so Fernando Alonso. And then I'm going to go with a bit of youth with George Russell. I knew. Ooh. I knew Lawrence would go George Russell. I mean, it's a good pick. But I knew. Pick. I, I even, as soon as you said I'd be first, Katie, I was like, well, Russell's not going to be available coming back to me because he's got to go through. Go go through Lawrence twice. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so based on well, I'm actually not going to talk myself into this because then you might steal what I'm thinking. I've got I've got plans. Okay, gentlemen, uh, with my number two, my second pick in the draft, I'm going to take Charles Leclerc and believe nice. that he will be air free, depending on yeah the card that I give him. A good choice. A good choice. That is a good choice. Kind of, I was hoping you'd, you, I was hoping you'd err on the side of not going for Charles, but never mind. Um, I'll do my, I, I'm going to take uh, Lando. I want to get the Gen Zers on board, uh, and I'm going to free him from his current situation at McLaren. He can come race at Saunders F1. Can't guarantee right. we'll be any any better, but um, he can wear wear a different overall. Um, and then this is where I'm struggling because so now my third pick. Coming back mm-hmm. to me right on this, I'm trying to work out team boss versus. Do you want a really competitive reserve driver? I feel like there'll be enough reserve drivers left, uh, you know, when you come back. So, I'm going to pick, and this is difficult, but I'm going to pick Gunther Steiner because why nice. wouldn't you? Yeah, why wouldn't you? I'd love, to, I'd love to see him leading to like, like drivers like uh, Norris and Verstappen. I think that alone would be would be hilarious. But now I've got Steiner, Verstappen, and Norris in a team which could either be a match made in heaven or could just be the worst idea anyone's ever had. So let's see how that goes. What what do you think the interactions would be between Gunther Steiner and Max Verstappen if they were working together on the same team? <laughs> I think there'd be a lot of doors off their hinges. I think there'd be a lot of walls smashed. I think there'd be chairs flying around. Because it's not just Max as well. It would be Raymond, his manager, Max's manager, and Yos, his dad. That There's a lot of energy in that in that mm-hmm. room. So maybe... And then Lando would be in the corner, just kind of, you know, on on Twitter or something, you know, calming everyone down. That's that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Did I? Maybe I maybe I went too early on Steiner. I don't know. Let's see how you guys. Let's see how you guys okay, pick. Okay. Okay. I think it's a bold choice. I, I, I'm with it. He was in my top three for managers, so I think you you nailed it. I'm going to go with the reserve driver, and I'm going to go with the driver that has the fourth most wins on the grid currently, and that is Valtteri Bottas. Nice. So, so, not, so, 
I oh back to two picks so I can fill my reserve draw. Well, and, and team. So sorry, I'm a bit new to this. So team brand. I mean, that's just the team in general, right? I mean, that's that yeah. seems like quite a valuable thing. As in the people that are making the car, they're gonna make mm. it go fast. So I'm definitely picking Red Bull because I don't care who you put at the top of that organization. It's already so good that uh, it's gonna produce um one hell of a car. Um, and with that, I get Honda engines until uh, 2025 as well. So that's pretty good going. Uh, Shoot, so did, we, go- did we miss there then, Nate? Should we have gone? Maybe. I'm I thinking that's a good pick. I like might no, I mean, I mean Steiner, we- is Steiner, Steiner's more valuable than the entire Red Bull organization, isn't he? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I just saw it hanging there. I was like, wait a minute. I don't even know why I went for drivers first. Uh, and why did I go with the reserve driver? <laughs> oh, I botched oh, yeah. this. Okay. Who's um, your fourth pick? So and, and then uh, I'm going to put Toto Wolf in charge of the Red Bull team, <laughs> which I mean in real life is never going to happen. But can you imagine? I mean, a man with amazing business acumen. Uh, let's say he's got some shares in Red Bull, like he does with Mercedes, to give him a bit of skin in the game. I think that's um, a pretty pretty great 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 prospect because I've got now Adrian Newey and Toto Wolf and George Russell and Fernando Alonso. I'm feeling pretty confident. It's pretty. But good. No results yet, so I'm might might fall. Uh, slip up on that one. Okay. To be fair, your your team is looking Looks your team good. is looking the best right now. If I if I had to objectively uh, decide. Okay. For my fourth pick, just because this would never happen, but um, could you imagine if it did? I will take Christian Horner to be the team boss of Lewis Hamilton. Oh wow! This is yeah. This is a complete mess. I like it. In it's a, good a mess. Way. It's a mess. Yeah. Okay, you get two picks, Nate, to round Yeah, I left a lot of really good picks on the table there, didn't I? All forget- I, I could have still had Steiner. I, I don't know what, I panicked. Um, so I get two. So I think, I mean, I was going to say Ferrari for brand, but I don't actually think I, I, don't think I do want anything to do with Ferrari. Uh, I'm going to pick Mercedes. Um, Lawrence has picked Red Bull. I think Mercedes mm-hmm. still, you know, they've gone through their troubles, but they're such an impressive team, you know, like with Red Bull. The two of them are just at the moment synonymous with winning. So, you know, they've got that structure in place. And I think that, you know, they're just a fantastic organization. So I take them as the brand. And I've still got reserve driver, haven't I? To yes. to pick. So I think I would put um well, I've got my list here, but actually, you know what? I'm gonna do it. Danny Rick, friend of the podcast. Ah, Danny I wanted Rick him. Right in there. I was hoping uh, it'd be left at the end. I feel <laughs> like that, that you was a heart decision, think, maybe not a head decision. I'm just, I just it was heart. Well, it was heart and head, but I was, I was looking as well, and I was like, "There's two guys, you know, who have who are on the grid and have won races, but we haven't picked them." But it's fine. Okay, so I have to pick my team brand, and obviously, there's there's not much more iconic than the Ferrari red. I don't know if it's good for Charles Leclerc to remain in red. <laughs> Um, and I also now am contemplating, did I just bring bad juju onto my team, uh, with this selection, but I, I just don't think that I can go against Ferrari. Hopefully Christian Horner would get to the bottom of the reliability issues as team boss and wouldn't stand for it. So, so that you've got that. Hamilton, Horner, Ferrari, and, and, sure, that's, and Valtteri yeah, as and a Valtteri. reserve. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So with your fifth and final pick, Lawrence. You need your reserve driver as well. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, this is probably a risky choice, actually. But I'm going to go with Oscar Piastri because he's young. But I'm going to make sure the contract is watertight. <laughs> so unlike Alpine, neither of you can steal him like, yeah. towards the end of this year. Wise. Um, so yeah, as, as long as I've got a, a watertight contract, 
We're going with Oscar Piastri because I think um, even though this year obviously hasn't shown too much yet, I think he's got a huge amount of potential going forward. Okay. Well, none so of us, I- none of us drafted Zach Brown or McLaren, so Piastri should be safe, you would think. But who knows? <laughs> Here's how it stands and it comes out. Nate, you have Max Verstappen and Lando Norris driving for Mercedes with Gunther Steiner at the helm and Danny Ricardo in the wings as your reserve driver. I have Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc on track with Christian Horner leading Ferrari with Valtteri Bottas as the reserve driver. Lawrence, you have Fernando Alonso and George Russell on track in Red Bulls with Toto Wolff in the garage with Oscar Piastri standing by his side. Can David I say, all, Presley. All of those are great. All of they those are great. They, they are very, very different, but very good. David Presley, voice of God, who do you think won our unlapped draft? Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, Lawrence, can you really can you really go against Toto, Red Bull, George, and Alonso? That's that's so stacked. And then Piastri. I do wish I do wish I'd made the rules that you had to pick a rookie for your reserve driver. Mm. That I think would have mm. uh, spiced things up. But we can't go back now. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I'm going to go Lawrence one, KD two, Nate three. Sorry, Nate. Oh no. So again, it shows you the the draft order. It's it's a curse. Number one is a curse. The last man to the pod drafts the best preparation. Not needed. Katie not needed. Does, Katie does have Ferrari, which at the end of the day, based on the track record of the past how many years, mm-hmm. you're, you're mm-hmm. going to struggle. I'm surprised you didn't take Aston. You could have had the strong money with that team. You know, I know, but been... owners, owners weren't involved. Owners weren't necessarily a consideration. Oh, true. I just, I more so went to the look and I, I would have jumped, what I would have jumped in with him. Like, well, if you're going to take Aston, you have to take Stroll because they, 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 they go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, that is true, isn't it? It's two picks, not one. Picks, Lance, not one. yeah, you get Lance with him. And also Ferrari, you get Marinello, Northern Italy, great food, great wine. So even if it goes wrong, you're still happy, right? Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. That was my thought. Carbs, carbs and wine. Always. <laughs> At the end of Always. the day, you're all super rich because you now all own an F1 team. So <laughs> like, be very nice. Or super broke, depending on how it goes, but. <laughs> Thanks for playing my game. I appreciate it. Obviously, um, the NFL draft, you can watch on ESPN and ABC all throughout the weekend as you get into F1 as well. Let's discuss the Baku Grand Prix, shall we? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Can I call it that, or is it only Azerbaijan Grand Prix? And then you can say racing in Baku. What would be? We say Baku, G- we say Baku GP. Well, I mean, it's not officially the title, but. Yeah, officially it's Azerbaijan, but everyone knows 
what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Christian Horner has said um, he's worried about carnage because we've obviously got the sprint format that we discussed at the top of the show. Are we expecting carnage? Where would we set the over under of safety cars? What's the expectation, Lawrence, for this Grand Prix? Um, I feel like there is going to be carnage just because we have that extra sprint race on top of a normal race uh, at a track that traditionally does just throw up some some curveballs. But like I said before, it often just needs that little thing, either somebody clipping a barrier, two drivers getting together, uh, a tyre failure. We've had all those things in the past. The one thing we've never had here is rain, and there is a bit of rain in the air mm. for Sunday as well. So imagine Baku wet. I mean, that's going to be crazy. So I, I, I feel like, yes, there is potential for carnage. And also... Just because uh, Christian Horner said that, that it's going to be, uh, that it's, you know, a, a ludicrous place to host a sprint race. I feel like that's just inviting it. It's just inviting it for the, the for the drivers to go crazy. And and also, they've had a little bit of time off, so they might be a little bit rusty going back into it. A few points Point. to prove, um, you know, some real desire to get back out there racing. And uh, yeah, it doesn't take much for a misjudged overtaking maneuver or uh going into a corner a little bit too hot uh, to turn into a big, big accident in Baku. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's going to be an exciting weekend. We obviously and- expect Red Bull to stay at the top, but there's a lot of teams that are bringing upgrades, Nate. So who maybe are you most interested to see on track in the way that they, you know, attack this weekend? I think the two big teams everyone's going to be looking at are Mercedes and Ferrari. You know, we know Red Bull is so far ahead. Mercedes, you know, have come into this... Um, weekend and we'll probably talk about it in a bit with James Allison coming back been a bit of a reshuffle behind the scenes which we didn't think was that surprising but this three-week spell the thing we've been hearing is that this is the perfect time for them all to develop and obviously Mercedes were in a bit of a hole at the start of the year you would think that they you know I know they've tar- they've targeted for after Baku for like their big big upgrades but they're all working on their cars um so I think Baku and uh, sorry uh, Mercedes and Ferrari the two teams personally I, I want to see make a step forward I'm also quite curious to see whether Aston Martin we've seen before in the past that teams have started really really well and they've kind of dropped back and I wonder whether Aston are going to do that or whether they are actually going to stay out in front um so I think there's a few teams we're looking at but I, I think we'll be looking at the back of the of the Red Bull the Red Bull's not going to be on the on the broadcast too much what teams and uh, drivers does this track favor do you think Lawrence uh, it's a good question. I feel like we haven't yet got to a place where we can really uh, predict that. I mean, I made some, some incorrect predictions at previous races based <laughs> on what we saw in Bahrain and so on. I think the one thing we can say is that Red Bull are going to be ahead. This is a track that will suit the Red Bull, I think. Um, you know, there's those long DRS sections as well. We know how powerful the DRS is on the Red Bull. Uh, so I, I, I feel like that should go quite well. Um, I'm, I'm kind of inclined to think that the Mercedes will make a uh a, a decent show of it here um aston martin maybe not so much i think they're more into um really high downforce circuits this is going to be a relatively low downforce circuit just because of those long straights uh and then the team i think really to keep an eye on actually is, is mclaren just because they've been promising a big upgrade for baku for since the start of the year this is almost like their day zero for um for their 2023 season, just because they made such a bad start. They recognized their mistakes even before a wheel was turned in testing. And they looked to Baku to to change some of the things on the car fundamentally. Mainly the floor, I think, is what's going to change uh, to improve, uh, sorry, increase the uh, the aerodynamic efficiency of the car. Uh, so they get downforce in the corners as well as uh, good straight line speed. So 
that'll be my team to watch from the midfield. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, we, we've had this, we've had three races so far. It feels like we've had more because this you know, season is <laughs> several weeks older without a race recently. Um, but it's, I think it's still really hard to determine who, who's going to suit which, which track. And I think the teams are learning so much about these cars that, you know, each, each race is, is changing slightly. The only guarantee we have pretty much is that Red Bull, unless something goes wrong, will be at the front of the field. You guys have obviously told us about some of your favorite tracks and Grand Prix in the past. How does this one stack up against the rest? I really like it. I'm not sure I'd put it in top five, but I, I, I'm always struggled to put a top five together when put on the spot. But I think Baku is one of the strongest circuits there. I mean, it's got a track record of having some really good races. And it's actually, it's it's kind of like two different circuits in one. You've got that long, long back straight, and then you've got that really tight, twisty bit in the in, in the you know in the middle of the circuit. So. It's it's a challenging circuit for qualifying. We see drivers make mistakes there all the time. Also during the race, you know that that long straight should create overtaking opportunities. Is the is the aim? I do think it's impressive as well that it stayed a circuit. I think is one that I like because the only time I've covered it as a journalist was about seven days after I completely tore my ankle ligaments playing five aside football. And Lawrence will tell you the only way into the Buckley paddock is at the very end of the. Uh, of of the paddock you, and and the media center is at the very top. It's that big hotel. I had these crutches and this boot. So and it was really hot, really really hot. And I just spent the entire week coming in from this hotel, struggling my way all the way to the top and struggling down for media sessions. I think Danny Rick at one point even kind of made a joke about it. He's like, I keep seeing you struggling in and no one's helping. I was like, yeah, well, this you know this is what's happened. So even with that memory, it's still it's still something I like. Uh, it's still a place I like to uh, I like to watch. Um, so yeah, I would I'd give it if we're giving it a a grade, maybe a B, B minus. I think that's pretty good. Do you agree, Lawrence? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. It's uh, it's not quite the the top echelon because you do have the occasional dull race. Um, much that's true, pretty much everywhere, isn't it? But yeah, I, it's it, it's just unique, and I, I think that's why it's such an enjoyable race weekend every time because. We do have other street circuits, but none of them are quite like Baku. None of them go around a UNESCO heritage castle wall midway through the lap, mm. um, which looks cool, but perhaps isn't so great for the racing. But it's there and, you know, they have to deal with it. So I, I think stuff like that makes it cool. You get um, ridiculous uh, wind going around this place uh, with the, the kind of the buildings. Obviously, they're quite tall buildings here in the city. Uh, they kind of channel the wind through uh, various different bits. And we know from... Uh, you know, watching Formula One, that that the cars are very sensitive to that. Of course, they're so uh, reliant on their aerodynamic performance. So as soon as you have this crosswind coming across them, you know you get mistakes, you get errors. Um, and uh, and the other thing is, it's often uh, this time of year, so it, it kind of alternates between being early in the year around now and June. And when it's June, it's it's warm and everything. But when it gets to this time of year and they help uh, hold the race um, in the late spring, uh, the drivers really struggle to get the tyres up to temperature and that can be such a big thing. So uh, having a few tricks up your sleeve um, from an engineering side and uh, from you know driver tyre warm-up point of view uh, can be crucial here as well. So there's so many different facets going on that you, you, know, you do get exciting races as a result of that. Lawrence mentioned his poor predictions, I think is the verbiage that he used from the past which means we are obviously going to now give our predictions for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. This is where we currently stand, and I know it gets a little wonky because I joined late. Nate, I believe you have two wins and a tie, a draw, okay? Lawrence, you have one draw and two losses. 
and I have a draw currently. I think that's right. I'm going to double check my math, obviously, when we get off this and I'll have a, a new leaderboard when we, we redeem and get back next week. But as it stands for this weekend, who are you guys picking and why? Who wants to start? Nate, I feel like it's your honor. I mean, I, I didn't realize you were winning by such a big margin. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like after the after the after the draft picks, I can only really mess this up. So let's go for it. Yeah. Um. Obviously, by this point, we all just put Max at number one. Mm-hmm. So I'll say Max first. I agree with Lawrence. I think uh, Mercedes is going to have a good one. So I'm going to put Lewis in second, and I'm going to put Russell third. I think Mercedes come back with a bang. Sorry nice. to Checo fans, but um. But that's and that's for the race, right? I, I don't think any of us can predict the sprint. That would be that would be wild. And you just think no, f- Alonso on podium, just too distracted with his his new bow. Uh, I think he's going to be trying too hard to impress his new girlfriend. And uh, sure, okay. <laughs> and and I think you know he'll be listening. He'll be playing the songs in his head. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's me high, and then he'll be going to turn one, and he'll lock up. Mm-hmm. And miss a, you never see Fernando Alonso make a mistake. If Fernando Alonso makes a mistake this weekend, by the way, we can officially blame Taylor Swift because he never <laughs> makes a mistake. He never makes a mistake. So even if the rumors aren't true, if he makes a mistake, it's on you, Taylor. It's, it's on, on Taylor you. and the Swifties. Lawrence, yeah. who, who are you picking? So I'm a bit torn because I think I'm right in saying in that every Azerbaijan Grand Prix has had a different winner. Um, so if I choose Max Verstappen, that run comes to an end. And I really like that about this race. It's one of the really cool things about it. But it would also mean I'd have to choose either Fernando Alonso or George Russell to win. And I can't quite bring myself to do it. But what I'm going to do is say Max Verstappen wins, because mm. I guess we all just say that nowadays. Um, George Russell comes second. And because I've yet to do it, and it's what's cost me the most victories, Fernando Alonso in third. Yeah, this is the first wow. one I've not done Fernando in third. So we'll see how it goes. What is it? The match that broke the camel's back? Is that straw. the same? The straw. 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 straw yeah. no, I think, well, I think in both countries, just so we're clear, it's the straw. I, mean, it's a <laughs> I was about to say if that's the match the match sounds great Why don't we use that? now i'm just making up phrases okay <laughs> dang you lawrence because i was gonna go max george but because you went fernando i'm actually gonna put sergio perez on the podium p3 perez is so, he's good at street circuits and he, he has is. one So that gives us a little bit of a difference there to see who's going to come out on top. So there you have it. Those are our predictions. We'll check back, obviously, after the weekend. Lawrence, I wish you well. I hope you have so much fun. We can't wait to see and read your coverage. Nate, we'll see you in Miami next week. I can't believe it's already here. Uh, As always, thank you guys so much for your analysis and your time. We'll be back next week for more on Unlap. Cheers. Cheers.